Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be taking your questions from the Progressive Property YouTube channel. If you're not already a member of the Progressive Property YouTube channel, make sure you go over there, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. We do weekly videos on all things property that can help you on your property investment journey. And today's episode is answering your questions that you posted below those videos. So let's get right into it. Right, let's go through some of your questions and get you the answers right now. Broke to wealthy, that's me. Literally, I was in over a hundred plus grand of debt. Then I came over to the UK and I started investing in off-plan property abroad in the early 2000s and I dug myself a massive financial hole. I spent from 2003 to 2013 dealing with mindset issues, financial issues, and eventually I came to Progressive Property 2013 and started to learn how to do property correctly. I went from okay financially to completely broken in massive debt to now what I would consider significantly wealthy. So I have a multi-multi-million pound property portfolio. I am an actual net worth millionaire, okay, multi-millionaire, and I've done okay for myself, but I didn't do it in six months. I've done it over a few years. Work hard enough to not have to work hard. So let's look at some of the comments on this video, starting from zero to a multi-million pound property business. Adele Stevenson. What is Adele's comment? Adele Stevenson says, oh, in capitals, is this, in capitals, is Jeff Bezos's new job. Really? I look like, I might look like Jeff Bezos. I might look like Jeff, okay, I look like Jeff Bezos possibly, but I wouldn't mind being a pound behind him. I wouldn't. Um, thanks Adele for the feedback. Appreciate it. That's actually quite funny. <laughs> So we've got a comment from Mahir Ahmed. Now you need to watch this video, right? So broke to wealthy to understand this comment, but he goes, definitely keep the Pringles lampshade. So when I went into one of our properties, when we purchased it, in one of the bedrooms, there was literally a Pringles lampshade. In here is a piece of engineering excellence, a Pringles lampshade. The first of its kind in the UK. The only one I've ever seen. <laughs> it is a Pringles lampshade. I mean, is that a fire risk or what? I won't be keeping it in my hair, but I have got a photo just for long-term um, amusement. If you've ever experienced some funny stuff, if you've seen anything funny in a property, I'd love to know as well. Comment below this video, let us know what you've seen. Let us know what sort of crazy stuff you've come across on any property viewings you've done. But I reckon a Pringles lampshade is up there with the best of them. I mean, it were probably more expensive to buy a packet of Pringles and eat them than it was to buy an actual lampshade. So Mahir, unfortunately, I'd love to keep it, but it's gotta go, it's gotta go. Sarah Lowe, or Sarah, wow. She says, people who have nothing can't even afford to go to Turkey or Bulgaria, etc." This guy, by the way, the Turkey Bulgaria comment is when I invested in Eastern Europe back in the early 2000s, I bought off-plan property abroad in Turkey and Bulgaria. This guy, she means me, has not started from zero. 
He had money for flights and money to buy his houses, no matter how cheap they are, there is still fees, etc. to pay. What this title is saying is lies. It's lies. Sarah, no, it's not. You see, back in 2002, I had around eight grand of savings and I went to the property investor show at the Excel Center and I could put down a small upfront deposit on off-plan property abroad. There was a property in Estonia which cost 36 grand, a property in Bulgaria for just under 90 grand. Them two I got from the property investor show. There was also one in Turkey that I got from a different investment show that I paid 50 odd grand for, so just under 50 grand. Now these three properties adding up in total was well over 130 odd grand. I put down staged payments. So you could get in, this is what they did. They got you in on a small initial payment, as little as a couple of grand. Right, so I spread my eight grand across three properties. I was young and stupid. I was naive. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any education. And I didn't read the small print that you had to meet the payments as they hit the roof stage. And this sounds like, how stupid could you be? I was, I was stupid, right? They had to, as they built the property, the, 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 the levels, the first levels go on, the roof goes on, the water type made, there's payments. When it's finished, there's a payment. There was promises of mortgages in 2007. But you see, I couldn't get a mortgage in Bulgaria. I definitely couldn't get one in Estonia because they never actually built the property. And I had to sell the Turkey one for half what I paid for it to try and stay afloat. I had to take out credit cards and personal loans, Sarah. If you want to come and meet me, I will show you the credit cards and the personal loans that I took out with Barclays, with Halifax here in the UK. I was lucky I was Irish because I had to take one out with Allied Irish Bank in Ireland. I had seven different credit cards and I used to have money on four of them on 0% interest on transfers. And every time it had come to the end of the transfer period, I'd balance transfer it onto one of the other three cards. So card one went on to card five, card two went on to card six, card three went on to card seven, card four went back onto card one. And I played that game for years trying to stay afloat while I tried to reduce that debt through a job. I put down eight grand on stuff that was over 135 grand. The Bulgaria property was completely trashed. It's absolutely valueless. The Turkey one I sold at half the price. The Estonia one never got built, Sarah. So it's easy to come on a YouTube video and go, this guy is talking lies. It's easy to do that. But I know what I did. I did nothing from 2007 to 2013, only tried to dig my way out of that debt in a job. I came back in 2013 with still all of that debt hanging over me, and I built a property business through using creative strategies, like rent to rents, like profit share on rent to rent. You don't need any money to do a profit share deal, where you say to the landlord, let me spend my time and my knowledge, and I will run the property with you, and we'll do an agreement on a profit split. No need for any money to do that, because you're not putting anything in. That's a rent to rent strategy. You can do lease options where you can control somebody else's mortgage for as little as a pound. You can, you might need solicitor costs. Yes, you can joint venture on them. You can borrow the money. You can stick them on a credit card again if you needed to. I don't recommend that by the way. That's what I had to do because I was in for so much debt. I can join venture. You can private investor finance. You can do all of those strategies with other people's money, Sarah. So Sarah, yes, you can. Yes, I did have the debt. And your comment, it actually, it's, it's ridiculous. 
I'm going to show you an email from my property in Bulgaria showing what happened. And this is an email with all of the owners that we've got a group. There's 56 apartments all owned by English and Irish investors. This is an email between the investors dated the 31st of October 2016. By the way, I still own this property. It's still going on today. But I want to show you this email. I'm in Bansko now and I have seen three mountains. It's terrible. Three Mountains Holiday Village is the complex. No water or electricity. Many window frames removed at the back. Wiring has been ripped out for scrap. Raymond Finlay's apartment has been completely emptied and they cut the iron bars off the windows. Block 8 is flooded. Svetko, apartment 73, has moved out. That is why he's not responded. The whole place is an effing mess. Pam, I must be one of the most positive, proactive and capable people you have met. I need you to remember this when I say walk away. The local gossip is that the local mafia are intent on scaring us away so that they can develop it. We already know the lengths they will go to. We know we will not have support from the municipality, the courts or the police. I strongly recommend that you cancel the AGM, our annual general meeting. I will not attend. I won't risk Callan being there and finding out I'm in Bansko. Callan is the head of the local mafia. I believe you will be putting Nelly and at, and at serious and unnecessary risk by making her go there on her own, as it will mean she will have to face Callan's hoods alone in a remote location. I am so sorry to have to be the one to tell this, but I promise it is in everyone's best interest to just walk away. So that is our complex. Condition of Three Mountains, October 2016. Completely trashed. So, yes, I did buy stupid properties abroad, Sarah. Yes, it is completely trashed. That is but the Bansko Bulgaria property. Now, I'm going to show you something else. This is a condition report for my Bansko property. And you can see, dated 2009, what the complex looked like and 2020, what it looks like. That is 2020, completely smashed up. That was 2009, looking really beautiful 2009, looking completely smashed up 2020. The internals, the internals of the complex, that's the stairs, that's, that's the internals, that's the kitchens, completely gone. Yeah, that's what it used to look like when it was finished. That's what it looks like today. So, Sarah, Sarah, have I, just have, have I just created those pictures? Did I not lose all my money in Bulgaria? Did I not buy the wrong type of property? Did I not start with massive debt? This is my Parnu in Estonia apartment that never got built. This is my email to the company, which I don't mind mentioning, by the way, because they s ripped me off. Churchill Holiday, Churchill Village in Estonia. It was from, this was to estoniaproperty.co.uk. Harriet, from me, Kevin MacDonald, Harriet. Following our phone conversation this morning regarding the delays to Churchill Village. This was 2007, by the way, right? As discussed on the phone, I am very disappointed that Churchill's failed to notify me of any delays to the construction. Never mind the fact that it has not even began. In light of this, I wish to consider my options. For this reason, could you please confirm in writing what the current market value of the property is for sale? Guess what? There was no property. I was so naive even in 20, 2007 
four years after buying it. I still thought I had something that was worth something. It had never got built. Purchased it 2003, never got built. 2007 email saying I'm disappointed. Not as disappointed I was to find. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. out having had a few more conversations with them that it wasn't worth anything it was never built I didn't own the land I owned an apartment in the second floor you know one of those things that doesn't exist in the fresh air so there was nothing to sell there was no value I didn't own the freehold it was worth absolutely nothing it never got built there you go Sarah are you happy now warrior spirit what is that your real name? Honestly, what that is an awesome name for your family to give you at birth. Warrior Spirit. Or maybe that's not your name. Let me know what your real name is. But anyway, Warrior has a question. Are your four bed HMOs actually registered as HMOs or can you let the property to four people sharing without doing the full spec for HMO? Now, Warrior, I'm going to get to your answer in a moment. And this is, what, this is an exact example of why it's dangerous to listen to people who don't know what they are doing, who are not fully educated. Because you've had a response from Tom Murphy and Tom, it sounds like you're not fully um trained or understood, educated on HMOs because you've said must be registered as a HMO exclamation mark smiley face Tom that is not true it is it depends so if you are in an article 4 area you need to be on the HMO licensed HMO register article 4 area three or more people in a house unrelated people that is a licensable HMO and you need planning permission if you were to convert another property to a HMO. So actually Article 4 is about planning permission, but you will three or more people would require planning permission and require to be registered as a HMO. If you are in a non-Article 4 area, which is still the majority of the UK, if you are in an area that's outside of Article 4, then five or more people in a property, people, not bedrooms, requires you to have a HMO license. If you have got four people in a property, then it's an unlicensed HMO. Now, a four-bedroom house with five people, you require a license. A four-bedroom property with four people, you do not require a HMO license. It does not require to be registered. However, it might not require to be registered but you have got a duty of care to your tenants. So what do I mean by a duty of care? Well, you want to be able to sleep at night and ignoring HMO legislation, you have got health and safety law. 
You need fire doors. You need a mains connected smoke alarm system. You need to make sure that you keep your tenants safe. Because if one of your tenants was to fall asleep at night with a lit cigarette and burn the house down, and you d you've got a four-bed house, your defense being it's a four-bed, I don't have a license, that's not a defense. You need to make sure you've got fire doors and smoke alarm system. You need to do all that is reasonably practicable to keep your tenants safe. Should you not do that, that could be seen as manslaughter. So a four-bed property, it does not need to be licensed as a HMO. It does not need all of the HMO requirements. It does not need to be on the HMO register. So just to clarify that, Tom, your, your, your advice is not correct. Okay, and this is so important about getting the right education, guys, because there's so many comments that I see on social media that are just absolutely incorrect. You do need to have a duty of care. You don't legally bound by them. There's no HMO officer that's telling you you need the fire doors or you need the smoke system if you're outside of Article 4. But you have a duty of care to your tenants and you should do it under health and safety law. Big difference. Make sure you fit fire doors, make sure you fit smoke alarm systems, but you do not need to be a registered HMO if you're outside of Article 4 and you've got four or less people. Once you hit five people, then you do. So I've got another comment and you want to go on this video, broke to wealthy, go right to the bottom of the video and see one of the last comments, unless there's new ones added. But I'm looking at manky brains, manky brains, right? Manky brains, right? In this video, manky brain says, sorry, thumbs down for not showing more properties, smiley face. Manky brains, right? I showed around 15 plus properties in that video. 15 plus properties. What did you want me to show? 20 plus, 25 plus, 30 plus? I could have been around all day. Uh, there's loads of videos. Go through all of the other videos. I'm showing different deals all the time. But in that one video, we went through about 15 different properties. And he says, thumbs down, I've not shown enough properties. But we had to cut properties out of this video because we've got to get the video at a certain length. Too long, nobody's interested. Too short, nobody's interested. No matter what I do, Manky Brains is just not happy. I should quit and never do this again. If you never want me, if you want me to never do another video again, let me know you never want me to do another one again. If you want me to do another one again, if you want me to keep adding value, keep giving this content out there, below the video, just say, yes, please, I want more. And manky brains, if you're around, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to have it, uh, to show you around. I'll take you around, I'll show you them all. Frasier, LK50. I'd love to know what the LK50 means. It says, get rid of that apprentice. Bet he doesn't even iron his shirts. Brilliant. Frazier, he's almost in the job a year now. And I still, I still, um, ha we have fun every single day. So, um, Frazier, he doesn't iron his shirts. He doesn't use deodorant. He, he doesn't, he doesn't shower. No, he does. He's actually really good. He's a good guy. He's good. We have some fun. We create a good environment to work in, but Frazier, I'm going to pass your comment on to him. I'm going to let him know that you think I should get rid of him and um, I'm going to keep him though. How does getting in first on a corporate sale help you? Estate agents have to keep the property open to everyone until sold. Mark, hmm, yes. So what will typically happen with estate agents is some of them, are, they, they, a corporate sale would go on to Typically one agent, maybe two agents. Sometimes they'll go in auctions. It depends how it's been sold. Now, with estate agents, 
quite often they have to market it. So they've got to show your offer. You put an offer in and there's 14 days that they have to put it in a paper. They put it in a paper in a little corner out of the way in a paper that's out of area even, or in the area but nobody bloody reads it. So yes, it's marketed. But have you ever tried to ring up an agent to view a house? And by the way, I did this a lot when I was starting out and I didn't have a relationship with the agent. You got to build that relationship where they say they don't have the keys or they lost the keys or the person with the keys is not in the office today. And what they're doing is they know right? the agent wants to get paid and the agents know that if they stick with somebody who will guarantee a completion, right? somebody who's got the cash to buy, they want to make sure that they get that sale done. They'll speak to the banks, by the way, and they'll say, we've got this cash offer, we've got this person. And by the way, cash offer, you could be private investor finance, joint venture finance. We've got this offer. The banks will say, okay, we'll take the offer. Then they'll go through the 14-day advertising of that property. Build your relationship with the agents and you would be surprised that you can pick up corporate sales where the keys are lost, where there's no other viewings. This stuff happens all of the time. So some agents, they need to make sure that they've got a guaranteed sale. What they don't want, and the company, by the way, selling it does not want, is for Joe Bloggs to walk in, place an offer, and then pull out of the deal at the last minute. That loses time for the corporate company. It wastes the agent's time. It wastes everybody's time. They're looking for the banker sale. The banker sale is the person that they know will not let them down. Let's pick the first buy to let. This is buying my first buy to let property during lockdown. So we've got a really interesting comment here from MethVS02. So don't know your real name, Meth, but um, let's call you Meth. Meth says only 20k profit, right, for all that work and risk sounds piss poor to me. Well, Meth, clearly you're a Lamborghini driving um, five holidays a year in five-star hotels type of person. F obviously, 20 grand profit, right, for going into a deal that cost you none of your own money. 20 grand profit, it ain't worth getting up out of bed for meth. Well, I mean, the average salary in this country, meth, in the UK, the average salary is 27 grand before tax. 27 grand. But it's not worth getting up out of bed to make 20 grand profit on a property deal that's leveraged and outsourced to builders to deliver it for you, it's just not worth it. It's not worth the hassle. I mean, that, 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 really, really, I'd love to see your bank account. I really would, Matt. I'd love to see your bank account because there's a lot of people out here. There's a lot of people in this country where 20 grand could change their lives. 20 grand would make a huge difference. I've watched TV programs. I've watched people on all of these TV programs, things like Deal or No Deal. Who wants to be a millionaire? Will I go to that question that takes me from four grand to eight grand or to 16 grand? I don't want to risk the money on that next question but it's not worthwhile piss poor getting up out of bed to make 20 grand on a deal really meth if it's not to you i would love to be a pound behind you i'd love you to share your bank account to just see is it are you a multi-millionaire because the thing is meth most people aren't most people need a start most people 20 grand would make a huge difference to their lives and well done alex for going out there and making himself 20 grand on his first deal 
and going on to get his next deal sense and looking to build his portfolio long term. And remember, it's compounding because it's not just 20 grand. It's 20 grand on the refinance. But what about all the monthly cash flow that comes in every month? You see, he added 20 grand to the value of the house, but he's also making around 300 pound a month cash flow from that property. And he's got the long-term capital growth from that property as well. So over time, that could be 40, 50, 60, 100 grand plus. So well bloody done, Alex. And meth, really? So Tara Carr, you've asked a question here. He said he has money to buy the house. So the money he used to buy the house, first of all, Tara, was private investor finance. Now, the Progressive Property Facebook community, it's got over 35,000 active property investors. Hundreds of millions of pounds are joint ventures lent within investors in that community every single year. This deal that, that Alex did, I funded this deal for him at the end of a seven-day joint venture finance raising challenge. Everybody in the community had the same opportunity to enter that challenge as he did. I will be doing future challenges. We'll be doing more challenges like this. If you want to be involved in those, make sure you get yourself into the Progressive Property Facebook community to find out when those next challenges are happening. So that's first of all, he said he has money to buy the house. He, it was private investor funding. What if you have some money, but not enough to buy it outright? You could do exactly, Tara, what he did, which was private investor finance. You could do joint venture finance. Now, you could buy it with a mortgage and use your money for the deposit portion as well. However, you've got to consider around fixed rate mortgages, around non-redemption penalty mortgages, and how long you plan before you do the refinance, because there's criteria around that you need to be aware of. But can you mortgage a house and rent it out? And is that profitable? Then if you want to buy two houses, can you buy and rent both out with a mortgage over you? So Tara, yes, you can buy a property with a mortgage, rent it out and make money. Okay. Ideally, though, what you want to do is buy, refurbish, rent, refinance. The refurbish is you buy a, a cosmetically distressed house, refurbishing it so you're adding value to the property, then put it on a mortgage and rent it out. The rental income, let's say, is £800 a month. The mortgage is £450 a month and you're going to make £350 a month profit on that deal. So the difference between the mortgage, the rent minus the mortgage and your management costs and any maintenance issues. Ideally, you're looking for, after management maintenance, maybe £250 a month profit from that deal. So you can do that. Now, when you say, can you do it a second time? Tara, you could do it a hundred times, a few hundred times if you want. There's a difference between how you finance a residential property and how you finance a buy-to-let property. A buy-to-let property, the lending is not necessarily against your income. So they, they want to see that you've got some income, but the lending is against primarily the income achievable from that property. So what the lenders typically look at is 130% rent coverage. So what does that mean? Well, if you've got a £100 a month mortgage, the rent needs to be £130. £200 a month mortgage, rent needs to be £260. £300 a month mortgage, rent needs to be £390 and so on. So 130% more rent than mortgage 
they will lend to you. There's other criteria as well, but that, that's the rental coverage they're looking at. Some lenders require a 25 grand income to also qualify. Depends how you buy though. It depends if you're buying with a joint venture partner and you can borrow against the joint venture partner's strength. It depends how many properties you've got. It depends if you're buying in a limited company or not. I would recommend speaking to a mortgage broker. I'm a property investor. I'm not a financial advisor or property broker. I always use a mortgage broker when I'm getting a mortgage out. Residential property purchases is based on your income from your salary or your job or whatever, wherever you create your income. If you're self-employed, for instance, you could still get residential mortgages. Certain lenders lend in different ways. So with typically with residential, you can borrow four times your salary. But with buy-to-lets, you're borrowing against the income potential of that property. So you can have loads of mortgages on loads of buy-to-lets that are not linked to your income from your job are not relative to your salary. Hope that helps Tara, I hope that clears up your questions. Okay, so let's look at another one of our videos, how I quit my job and built a property business. This was an interview I did with one of our students, Luke Brindley. Now Luke was working offshore on an oil rig, trying to build his property business remotely and pulled it off. So we've got a comment here from Kyle James. Great interview guys, what's the best way to borrow money? as in do you set up a company with the JV partner or if you purely borrow cash for deals and offer them an interest, what's the best way to set this up? Would you put them as first charge on the deal? When you're borrowing money or lending money, especially if you're lending money, you need to be very careful. I do a lot of joint venture finance. I do a lot of private investor finance. I have never handled somebody else's money. I don't need their money in my bank account. I need their money in my solicitor's bank account so they can purchase that property. So when you're looking at a structure, joint venture or private investor, they're very, very different. With a private investor loan, so let's say I'm just going to lend you some money for a deal if you're doing a deal, Kyle. So what we would do is you would have a property, I would be looking to lend that money to you, ideally on what's called a first charge, just like a mortgage company would lend money on a first charge. Now, lenders will typically lend 75% of the purchase price. And this is why private investor finance is important, because a lot of private investors will lend 100%, but for the first charge. Now, would I, if I have the first charge, what that means is I've got security. You have to pay me back or I can take possession of the house. Just the very same as a mortgage company, if you don't pay them their mortgage, can take possession of the property. So you buy the property with my funding, you refurbish it, and then once the refurb is done, you refinance it onto the longer term traditional buy-to-let lending. I get paid my money back with my interest or your investor, whoever that may be. So that's one way that you can do this. First charge is ideal. Now, if you're just looking for the other bit of money, typically if you're doing a buy to let and you're looking for the 25%, one of the big mistakes people think is that I'll get a 75% mortgage from a bank and I'll borrow the 25 for the deposit of somebody else. But the bank, they wanna see your skin in the game. They wanna see that you've put money into that deal. And this is why you would borrow all of the money. And it's actually easier. If somebody came to me wanting 25% of funding for a deal, I wouldn't do that. 
But if they came looking for 100%, that's easier for me. Because the 100% I can get the first charge. But if you've given the first charge to a bank, then you're coming to me with a second charge. It's not as strong as a first charge. Personal guarantees are something a lot of people offer, right? Personal guarantees, they're kind of like toilet paper, to be honest, because I know people that have lent on personal guarantees and they say, oh, well, it's okay. I lent 50 grand and that can see the person has got 50 grand. Yeah, maybe, but you lent them 50 grand, someone else lent them 50 grand, someone else lent them 20 grand, somebody lent them 100 grand, someone lent them 500 grand, and they, they didn't have enough money to cover all of the personal guarantees. So it's so important when you're lending money that you are careful and around making sure you've got security on your money. That's number, that's so, so important. That's lending. If you're borrowing the money, it's easier to borrow all the money than a little bit of the money. Now, that's a mindset shift. You see, when you're starting out, and when I started out, I, was, I would be happy with 10 grand, 5 grand, any amount of money to get started, because I was what I would call pedestalizing the money, that the money was the most important thing. But here's the thing, right, Kyle, people with money, they pedestalize their time. Wealthy people spend their, their money trying to save time. Poor people spend their time trying to save money. Do not pedestalize the money. Pedestalize your knowledge, your experience, your time, because that's the most valuable asset. Money is everywhere. There's more money on this planet than there's ever been. Enough to make everyone on earth a billionaire. But you know what? Time, you can never get back. The wealthy realize this the wealthy are wanting to invest their funds into you because you save them time. They get a return on their money. It is a complete win-win. So that's private investor finance. Joint ventures, ideally the joint venture partnership, everything should be done through limited companies now because of section 24. So you would set, let's say we were setting up a limited company together, Kyle. We would open up a company as 50-50 directors. So what I do with a lot of my joint venture partners is we set up a company together, we own 50% of the shares each, and then one of us, the person who's putting the funding in, they do a director's loan to the company. Now, the, me and you, then the company, right, a separate legal entity, our company, we buy a property. That company, um, K&K Limited, Kyle and Kevin Limited, K&K Limited, buy a company. But, but set up a company, buy a property within that company. That property we refurbish with the funds that have been lent by one of the directors or both directors. And then we refinance that property within the limited company and we pay the director's loan back. Now the money is protected by the property asset because you're a part owner and by a shareholders agreement that you've signed with your co-director of that company. So they're the two different ways you can do it, Kyle. Either private investor finance or joint venture partnerships in ideally for tax purposes, for security, joint venture partnerships within a limited company structure are what's called an SPV, a special purpose vehicle, which could be a limited company or a limited liability partnership. Hope that helps. So we got a comment here from Marcus Stewart. Sounds like he has done well for himself and achieved financial freedom. If you have the capital available, is it possible to pay cash at auction, say 75 grand for argument's sake? No arguments here, but yes, you can. 
then spend cash on refurb 25k yes so far then refinance onto a buy to let interest only mortgage absolutely so you can buy property for cash whether it be an auction direct to vendor or through an estate agent you could buy a property let's say 75 grand 25 grand on a refurb and then refinance it once that work is done yes you can i understand that most lenders like the to stick to the six month rule and also don't like refinancing on properties bought using SPVs by property investors. Not sure where you understood that from because that is absolutely untrue, Marcus. And this comes back again to getting advice from people who are not actually doing it. The hearsay from the mate down the pub or somebody that's a keyboard warrior in a Facebook community saying, oh, you got the six month rule and oh, come Companies, banks don't like lending to companies. That, that's, that's not true. Absolutely not true. So number one, the six month rule is around you buy a property with a mortgage. You've got to refinance that property six months later. You, you will have to wait six months to get a refinance. Okay. If you buy in your personal name, you'll have to wait six months before you could refinance. Typically, even if you buy cash, you buy within a limited company. I'll give you an example. I purchased a property in a limited company in September 2020. We refurbished it and then refinanced it with fleet mortgages in November 2020. Within about 10 weeks of the purchase, we refinanced it onto a mortgage. You do not need to wait six months in a limited company so long as you buy cash first and there's lots of lenders out there who will lend to companies that have got and the, what they're talking about SPVs is they're talking about the the structure of the company where you've got a holding company and then you've got SPV special purpose vehicles below the holding company there is lenders that will lend in that basis some of the high street lenders might not but lenders like um Fleet Mortgages, Kent Reliance, Foundation Home Loans, Shawbrook Bank, Cambridge and Counties. I could go on and on. These lenders will lend against that structure. Um, LendInvest, another one. This is these type of lenders that you might aren't the mainstream high street lenders. Property investors, most of my portfolio, and I've got a large portfolio, they're not with high street banks. I've got very, very few, less than a handful of mortgages with the high street banks, the ones like the Woolwich or Barclays, those type of lenders. Most of them are with the, the non-mainstream lenders. So I hope that helps, Marcus, but yeah, you understand incorrectly, basically. So I hope you listen to this. I hope you've got some value because quite often what happens is People hear the wrong advice, see the wrong advice. I mean, the answer to everything's on Google, right? The problem is Google gives you the wrong answer because Google gives you the answer that somebody who's never done it types into Google and says, oh, you can't do that. And then somebody starting out that's really new listens to it. And that little bit of advice is dangerous because it's the wrong advice, number one. And it's about making sure you educate yourself, making sure you're around people who are actually doing it. Anytime anybody gives me some advice, I say, is that advice that you heard from someone else? Or is that something that you have experienced yourself? And then if they have experienced themselves, you got to dig a little bit deeper around why have they experienced it? Is that the actual reason or was it something else, but they thought it was that reason? But Marcus, you can 100% refinance properties within a limited company inside six months. You can absolutely buy cash, refurbish and then refinance. And you can do, you can get lending through special purpose vehicles, i.e. limited companies. So that was some questions from our subscribers to the Progressive Property YouTube channel. 
You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We're out every single week with new episodes. Also, if you're not already a member of the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You see weekly videos on all things property, helping you on your property journey. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been absolutely awesome. I'll see you next time. Oh, yeah.